0: Hey there, this is Carrie Schaefer, also known as author Carrie Ann King, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Secrets, where I get to take you off the page with the people who make the books we all love to read. Tell Me Your Secrets is produced from live stream video and is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Broadcasting Network. Hey everybody. Today I am Carrie Schaefer. I look the same as Carrie Ann King but this is a Carrie Schaefer show and that should tell you something straight off the bat. That means we are talking something that isn't women's fiction and might be a little on the freakier scarier side. So I am delighted to introduce to you um, Miss Nola Nash. Say hi Nola. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Um, I'm good. I hope we have some readers showing or some readers, listeners showing up here. We'll give them a little bit of time to um, pop on. I always forget to tell you, but Tell Me Your Secrets is copyrighted by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And I am part of that lovely organization, which is just so much fun. So now that that's all out of the way, let's get back to Nola. So Miss Nola, where, where are you from?
1: I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and in 2000, I relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, and I've been here ever since, living just in the outskirts of Nashville in the small town of Franklin, Tennessee, which is one of the most picturesque small towns I have ever been to. It is absolutely beautiful, um, but South Louisiana will always have my soul, no matter where I am.
0: You're <laughs> I love to talk- hear about we're gonna talk more about souls later and it
1: ever Yes, <laughs> I yes, will.
0: <laughs> you and I could not be really on farther ends of the country. I grew up in Canada, which is like what you know, and way north also, I might add. Um, I've never hardly been south. I I was in Georgia briefly to visit my agent, but I would love to explore, you know, Nashville and um some of those places. Nashville is a wonderful city. We have what we call Nashville nice. That's
1: just something that is sort of expected behavior of people in Nashville. The first question you ask anyone that you meet in Nashville is where are you from? Because it's odd to find somebody from Nashville. It's rare. (laughs) Um, So many transplants, people who've relocated but Nashville is notoriously nice. Like that's our thing is, is we are nice. It's on t-shirts, Nashville Nashville, Nashville, nice. Isn't that kind of a, isn't
0: that kind of a Southern thing? It's a
1: very Southern thing. Very, very Southern. And, and, you know, coming from the way deep South of South Louisiana, I mean, it truly is ingrained in who we are. Nashville is just kind of right at that line where we start to sort of, bleed into, you know, we, we could almost be fading into the, the more northern states. But um, yeah, we still call it Smashville. That, that's our hockey term right there. Smashville. That, once we got the hockey team, it became Smashville. Is, is that um, why
0: it's called Smashville? Because of yeah, they smash into the glass.
1: Okay. <laughs> So it became well, Nashville, you know, they smashed
0: into each other. Canadian girl, the joke kind of is, you know, I, I I was trying to watch a, a, a fight, but then a hockey game broke out. Broke you know. out, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and being a Southern town with a, you know, I mean, we've we've been to Stanley Cup playoffs and finals and you know, all this stuff. It, it's really amazing to have such a quality hockey team in Nashville and to have such an enthusiastic following of what is notoriously not a Southern sport. And so it's a lot of fun, but yeah, I mean, we have the rowdiest hockey games ever. Canadians come down here and they're just like, what is this? So, you know, (laughs) you have, I went to a, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. We have, I went to a party and a hockey game broke out because that's really what's happening. It's like, oh yeah, they're playing a game down there. We're over here dancing to music. They're throwing t-shirts, whatever. (laughs) Okay, It's a lot of fun.
0: That sounds awesome. So, um, so We have talked about um, where you grew up and we've talked about Nashville, but that is not where your books are set. And we should and will and are going to right now actually talk a little bit about the books. So do you want to show um, a copy of the the one that you have got on you? This is City Moon, Mm -hmm. which is um, already out in the world. It is. And um, uh, book tell, one. tell us a little bit about what the book's about.
1: In Crescent City Moon, we meet a French socialite. And of course, in 1829, New Orleans, uh, the French Quarter was largely French at that point. I mean, that, that's just, that's why they call it that. Um, so this French socialite um, is about to turn 21. And on her, the night of her 21st birthday, um, her father is found dead just brutally and strangely murdered in their own house. Um, And in trying to uncover what happened to him, Zelie, who's our our heroine here, she walks into a world of secrets and mysteries and lies and half-truths that she has to start to unravel about her own family and her family history and what is happening to her family and how did this actually, you know, how did he die in their house, where you know there was no anything, no no sound of you know no breaking and entering, nothing. Um, and in that first part of the investigation, as she discovers her father, this voice kind of settles in the back of her head, and it's taunting her and laughing at her, um, mocking her, and basically kind of claiming her as its own. And she doesn't understand what it is. And with the help of some interesting people, that includes the Ursuline nuns, one of which is a medium. Um, the mother superior, a very dashing, very sweet police officer named Louie, um, a voodoo priestess and some others come kind of along the way that help her out. She starts to unravel these secrets and has to learn to harness the power that she has suddenly discovered in herself as of her 21st birthday. That is actually what that voice is after. And right. so she yeah. has to figure out how to defend herself.
0: I, I do have to mention that, you know, being being one of her friends and helpers is kind of a dangerous <laughs> sort of a problem. very so very I, dangerous. I think without making it a spoiler, we can say straight off the top that nobody is safe, in, including no. like the the priest who comes into the house. Um especially yeah. him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially things yeah. do not go well for the priest. So no, they don't <laughs> This, I it's really funny because when well yeah Nola sent this book to me to read and um <laughs> I didn't realize quite what I was getting into because honestly guys I'm not a hardcore scary ass kind of book girl I it's like I I you know I write something that some people think is is horror um but it's not really <laughs> because it's heavily laced with humor and um. <laughs> nola's stuff is creepy like read it with the <laughs> on um let, what time you go ahead do you want to go ahead and read like the first uh, page
1: sure.
0: or so absolutely. like find it.
1: a yeah place. i'll find a good stopping point yeah yeah absolutely all right and and disclaimer here i never really considered myself a horror writer It wasn't until other people told me that my books were scary that I realized my books were scary. (laughs) I don't know what that says about me as a person, (laughs) but I I did not know that this was really, I knew it was creepy, but I didn't really think of myself as a horror writer, but here we go. what did you think you were writing, just out of curiosity? <laughs> I kind of, I just considered it kind of creepy paranormal mystery. I never really thought about it in historical fiction because it's 1829. Right. Um, for me, the history and the magic are like the the main part of it. But the fact that it is is actually as creepy as it is and as frightening as it is um, was not something that I guess as I'm writing it and I'm so deeply invested in these characters, I didn't really see it. You yeah, know, and I guess because so much of this stuff is so common in South Louisiana lore and things like that, for me to kind of take myself out of of what is just accepted to me, and not really, you know, see it from somebody else's eyes that this is not their everyday, this is not the culture they grew up in with the voodoo and you know magic belief in the spirits and you know all of this stuff. Um, I, I didn't really notice that that was going to be very frightening, <laughs> but it is, and you know, in a good way but oh, yeah it's good yeah it's it, it's definitely it's it surprised me when people kept telling me that how frightening it wasn't then they're gonna have nightmares it's keeping them up at night I'm going really <laughs> okay <laughs> I mean I'll take that oh,
0: nope. right <laughs> <laughs> it
1: just wasn't wasn't necessarily something I expected <laughs> but there you go okay all, all right. right so top story yeah. time yeah Yeah, story time Storm clouds skulked across the sky, snarling at the moon and stars as they swallowed them whole. Below, in the descending darkness, the city shuddered. The hanged man looked up at Xaeli, smiling and complacent in his bringing of doom, as thunder rumbled over the French Quarter rooftops, rattling the panes of glass in the parlor windows. As the sound sent a shiver through her, she could have sworn the hangman winked. Tarot cards had always been a game to her and her friends, deliciously taboo among the society set, but something was decidedly different about this spread. They were just cards on a table, but they carried a weight she'd never felt before. With them was a feeling of finality. What does it mean, Lisette asked, leaning over the cards. No matter how many times Ailey explained the meanings in the pictures, Lisette's sweet, simple mind could never hold on to the information. Even though Lisette had no idea what lay in the cards, Her laughing amber eyes lost their luster in Xaeli's silence. Expectation hung thick between the two childhood friends, broken only by the sound of raindrops tapping on the house and the hiss of wind outside. The first one is for your past, the sun. It represents warmth, love, and vitality. From the settee in the corner, Lisette's sister Celeste laughed and tucked a curl behind her ear that escaped the bun at the nape of her neck. Who cares about her past? Leaping lazily through the daily newspaper, Celeste was oblivious to the gathering sense of doom at the table. So is she going to fall hopelessly in love with the man of her dreams? Xaeli's graceful fingers touched the last card on the table, the future, the hanged man, letting go, sacrifice, and martyrdom. Another shiver raced up her spine. Why should such a silly game make her feel like this?
0: because things are about to get scary, scary. Um, things gonna so... get bad. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. So we're kind <laughs> of set up with a, a sort of a gothic feeling for me, like very, very um, evocative of dark things coming. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why I never really considered it horror for me because
1: horror to me was always a Stephen King kind of feel to it the more modern and that kind of thing. Um, what I kind of relate more to, and I guess what my book really relates more to, is more of an Edgar Allan Poe feeling, you know, that that sense of atmosphere and that sense of impending doom and, you know, the the toying with emotions and sanity and madness and you know, all of those things, as opposed to just horror, you know, oh, Stephen oh. King's kind of like that's in
0: Oh my God, Edgar Allan Poe. Is there anything scarier than that beating heart story? Like, yes, you know? Telltale Heart, yes. Oh my, my God.
1: <laughs> yes, I teach eighth grade English, and so I teach Edgar Allan Poe. In fact, um, my students right now are doing Poe-tober, and so each week we're breaking down an Edgar Allan Poe story, and so we did Telltale Heart last week. We're going to do the Pit in the Pendulum this week, and then next week it's the Fall of the House of Usher. So I adore Edgar Allan Poe, and I, I think that's that's really kind of the the mood and that gothic you know that gothic horror is more that's more what my books are as opposed to kind of Stephen King horror so when people you know say that it's a horror book think Edgar Allan Poe before you
0: go Stephen King right right well you know and, and I can't really speak to that because well, <laughs> I like, you're oh, afraid of Edgar Poe read Edgar Allan Poe I I have an English degree and actually I kind of like Edgar Allan Poe although he did freak me out pretty pretty thoroughly but um, Stephen King although I have read a few of his books they are the ones that are not particularly freaky (laughs) but there are people in my house who keep trying to get me to read Stephen King and I haven't so I can't make the comparison because I don't like to get that I honestly I like books where people live (laughs) <laughs> and have a happy ending um my book is definitely
1: not the book for you <laughs> so many reasons I'm glad you read it and I'm glad you liked it I'm glad I read it
0: I you know one of the things I found fascinating about the book that I enjoyed the most and um was the uh the voodoo stuff voodoo stuff mm-hmm. fascinates me so now it's I have funny. to I have to ask how much what kind of research did you do uh, actually, a lot
1: of hands-on research, which oh. is um, a lot of fun for me. Um, I have a working voodoo altar in my bedroom. Um, it's it's set up there. Um, I have this whole cabinet in my living room that's got all kinds of things: uh, tarot cards, candles for candle magic, and you know, all the things that basically that they do in the book. I've done, and I've done the hands-on. I have. Um, I've had the help of a dear friend of mine who is a psychic medium and um, a witch. She does you know, all kinds of voodoo traditions on her own. Um, I also had the counsel of another voodoo priestess who helped me out. Um, so anytime I had a, a question about how to do something or what you know what needed to go, you know, what needed to go here?, what's going to make it accurate? Um, I could go to them and say, you know show me what to do, tell me what to do so that I could actually do it. And I think to get that authenticity of the voodoo, voodoo is very hands-on. it's very earthy. And in order to make that come across to the readers, I needed to experience that myself so that everything from the smell of the herbs to the curl of the wax as she's carving the candle was something that was part of the experience for the reader, just like it was for someone who would actually be doing that ritual themselves. So those little details are what helped to bring that voodoo to life. And the only way I was going to get that was to actually go through the process of learning how to do those things.
0: Right. So now I, I, what I have to say, my very first thought is, oh my God, do not piss Nola off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. fine. Well, voodoo is actually very misunderstood. And that's another reason why I enjoyed using the voodoo priestess as a good guy, because voodoo is essentially about protection. It, it, It does, you know, every now and then any good thing can be corrupted. And so, you know, it had its, its, its corrupt side of things. But primarily, it's very misunderstood as something that is dark and evil. And, you know, we're going to put a curse on you. But voodoo has its roots in protection. And so using the voodoo priestess as the good guy is actually more what the, what traditionally her role would have been is offering that sense of protection. So my whole thing was to be very um, true to the tradition as opposed to Hollywoodizing it into something that is actually, you know, putting curses on people. They did. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> but that's not the main focus. That's sort of a last resort kind of thing with voodoo. It's like, if all this other stuff doesn't work, we can always cross them. You know, we can always do something. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a very different tradition than what people outside of South Louisiana really, really understand it to be. It has a lot of parallels with hoodoo and the Appalachians and, you know, kind of the mountain cultures as well. And lots of things that kind of blend together. And they also in South Louisiana, South, South Louisiana, New Orleans voodoo, has a whole lot of Catholicism worked into it as well, because they had to hide their own voodoo practice behind the veil of Catholicism, because it was a law in Louisiana that you had to be Catholic for a very long time. And so all of these people that brought their own faith in had to hide it behind the veil of Catholicism. And over time, they just blended together. And so now traditional New Orleans voodoo has a lot of of Catholic practice in it as well
0: wow that's all just so fascinating um it it really did come through like in the book I could I could I felt that you had to have involved yourself in some way because (laughs) because the details were there um very very clearly that that you feel like you're involved in in the magic so good yeah yeah that that was I enjoy I love that part I I'm fascinated by magic I've never been involved by it in it really um but I'm not opposed to the idea where I to be in the vicinity of somebody yeah. who wanted to play, right? And so I mean, I love I love the idea of being
1: able to kind of send your energy out and yeah. and have some semblance of of you know, some type of control and at least be able to kind of focus your intention on something. It's very much like meditation practice, you know, Mm -hmm. only this is meditation practice, using things, you know, using your hands and the things around you and and elements of the earth to kind of just anchor that meditation. So in, in many ways, it's, it's just another spiritual practice, just like any other.
0: Right. Right. Well, and, and very interesting. I do play with tarot cards. Um, They they are fun. They are, And sometimes, downright freaky (laughs) a little bit they can be. how did you you really know so Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's let's talk a little bit about the next book so this is a series and I assume there are going to be even more but um book two is coming out uh October right like just in time for Halloween
1: October 28th
0: that, which is perfect and it's called yes. um crescent city sin um uh-huh. and th- um uh, that's available now for pre-order so grab it yep. grab them both
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i mean you really do need to start with crescent city moon and, and mm-hmm. crescent city sin does pick up right where crescent city moon leaves off right and so it, it shifts perspective slightly uh-huh. and if once you've read moon you understand why then <laughs> shifts perspective uh just a little bit but it kind of loops back around um, but you do really need to, I mean, there, there are clues in, in Crescent City Sin that can kind of catch you up, especially if it's been a while since you've read Crescent City Moon. But I do suggest you start with Moon before you move into Sin. A, a lot more um, clarity and right. you'll understand the path that they're taking a little bit right. better.
0: So so you'll be happier if you don't try and read these as standalone. So you yes. to be read as a series. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so... I want to talk about a few other things with you because you are just sure. this interesting person who does these fascinating <laughs> things. So Thank let's you. talk about NOLA's second line. Um, this this is so cool, guys. <laughs> NOLA has a, a talk show, which is just um, completely not like any other um, (laughs) Facebook live talk show type I've ever been on. So, Nola, tell us a little bit about what that is all about.
1: The second line show is it's an hour or so of just partying with some author friends. I mean, that's sort of kind of where it came about. Um, Annie McDonald and I were, were just kind of spitballing ideas and being silly one day in a chat and really, like, you know, that would be so much fun. We just did a talk show. Like, there should be a talk show and just have all these people on and it would be fun because, like, nobody can do events right now. And I said, Yeah, but then I'd want to do like weird things with these people. I don't want to just talk to them. Like, I want to do games and stuff. And it's like, Yeah, we got to do that. So that's what it turned into. So we spent about the first half of the show actually talking writing process in books, we don't necessarily get into, you know, this is the plot, this is how I get the characters. I wanted to kind of steer away from the the usual questions that authors get asked, because a lot of the viewers follow the authors around from show to show and different things that they do, and they've heard those things before, and there's definitely a place for those, and, you know, that's, it's awesome that those types of interviews are out there, they're very informative about the books, but I wanted to show that, really let the viewers and the readers see the author's personalities, their, their other side, you know, get to know them as people, not just the books that they write, right, and so we talk about their writing process, we talk about things that they do, and then we do goofball things like play games, and do other weird stuff, we talk about, like last night's show, we were talking about really bad childhood Halloween costumes, like Things that we did that we had to dress up as and it was hilarious. We've talked about um, people had to defend their their least favorite Halloween candy like which Halloween candy is absolutely the worst ever should never be given to anyone. Uh, We talked about that. Um, when I had a group of thriller writers on, we played Two Truths and a Lie, because who should be better at that game than people who basically lie for a living? They're writing lies for thrillers and you know, like killers and mysteries. And so we we played Two Truths and a Lie. So any of these things that we do really get the personality of the authors out because we're laughing, we're talking. These are you know, totally unrelated things to their writing but it's who these authors are and you get to know them really well. And another part of it, because it's my show and I'm Nola and New Orleans is my thing. Um, I do a New Orleans history and mystery segment where I will tell either a local legend in New Orleans or, you know, like last night, it was a totally true story. That was a you know horrible murder story that just gets buried. Nobody ever talks about it, but it's a fascinating story. So I always have that little New Orleans creepy elements or you know sometimes we do Louisiana lingo or one time we did weird Louisiana laws like oh
0: my don't gosh know. we
1: have no idea what you know even I don't know from week to week like I don't have the shows planned out like weeks from now it's whatever weird wild hair I get is what the other segments are <laughs> so Annie McDonald is fabulous about helping getting me in touch with the authors and saying you know here's this group that's gonna work really well together and she puts the word out and, and we kind of assemble those groups together and, and you know she kind of gets them in touch with me and then she'll leave off and let me coordinate and get everybody together and kind of work out all, all the details out. And then it's sort of just like whatever madness comes
0: across my brain (laughs) that week. I'm going, Ooh, this would be fun. (laughs) And then we do that. (laughs) So when, when, when can we watch this? It's, it's on Nola's second line, right? On your Facebook page. It is. It's on Nola's
1: second line. It is on um, my personal page. Um, We are usually on the right review.
0: uh, Almost
1: always now also on the right review. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Nola Nash entertainment. where it broadcast live there as well. And past um, episodes are housed there. And then sometimes we have um, other Facebook book clubs that will host as well. And so last night we were on Laura Kemp's group, Kemp Camp. Sometimes we're on Novels and Latte. Sometimes we're on High Society. Um, we're on it's all different places. And okay. there's always an announcement on Nola's second line on my Facebook group where we're going to be that week so you know that's that's a good place to come and check join the group hang out with us there's fun stuff there too there's giveaways and all kinds of you know as crazy as I am on the show I'm just as crazy on my Facebook page we have a good time there (laughs) who knows what I'm gonna do
0: Hey and and that just sounds like so much fun. And it kind of like I I had the same sort of idea with tell me your secrets. I don't want to ask the same questions. I don't want to get into your, you know, I I'm trying to go a little bit different. So now yeah. now that now that I'm looking at your name and you and I know a little bit about you. And you don't have to answer this, but I have to ask. Is Nolan Nash a pen name? it is the name of my driver's license and my birth certificate <laughs> it's my name, really? is my legal name. yeah you is. know because the coincidences here are just like absolutely mind mind-blowing like because nola <laughs> is the nickname for new orleans lots of people call it nola and you live in nashville and here mm-hmm. you're going by this name of nola nash and yep. you know i'm looking at it as i'm talking to you going oh my god that's her pen name but, but no. <laughs> That's the name of my driver's license. I can get out and show you. No, <laughs> oh no that's okay, no need. But mm-hmm. um, how how I love the coincidences of this because I just love weird stuff and that is mm-hmm. that is just so fun. So, what was your your most terrible Halloween costume? Now that that came up, I want to know. I think it was the the most terrible Halloween costume at the
1: time seemed like a great idea and I think as an adult looking back at it one day I will find this to be like a truly cute thing, but <laughs> It started off the clown costumes that were handmade and adorable clown costumes, but we wore them year after year. And they got passed around among all of the cousins. And so it was like always the same two clowns like every Halloween. But the other ones were, were middle school costumes for me and my brother. And we made them because we, we tended to make All of our Halloween costumes, because that's what you did when I was a kid. We didn't go to Walmart and, like, here's a wrap. No, no, no. no. We didn't do that. We had to come up with it, right? Right. And that was, I think, you know, we talked last night about how that's really something kids are missing out on is having to figure it out and make it. But we ended up stuffing trash bags um, and painting them. My brother was a California raisin. So he painted his purple, <laughs> and so it was like all squinched and purple, he, and he had his arms sticking out of it, and sunglasses on, and his face all like purple and stuff. So he was a raisin, he's California raisin. And I had the stuffed trash bag, and I painted yellow stripes around it, and I was a bee, but I didn't want to be just any bee, so I had a Nerf gun, and I was a killer bee.
0: <laughs> killer bee. Even yeah. back then even back then, Now, tell me true, do you really, 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 truly, never ever, ever have had a uh voodoo doll that you stuck pins in? I have voodoo dolls on my altar, in fact, I brought uh, two of them back from New Orleans with okay. me, so my question is
1: <laughs> who are you t- who do you have who are you, are you tormenting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I don't actually torment now, I do have an except note. <laughs> You got to wonder. Um, every now and then there is somebody I really wish I could stick a pen in. Um, but the whole the whole practice with voodoo dolls, I, the Hollywood version of it is way more fun than, you know, and, and like creepy than actually what the voodoo dolls are for. Um, all voodoo dolls are, it's kind of like the use of the puppet in um, European magic, where you attach something to the doll to basically attach it to whatever person you are wanting to work that magic for. So it's, it's kind of a proxy for the person that the magic is supposed to help or whatever. And so the pro- the idea of sticking pins came from actually pinning something from that other person to that doll oh. to make them the proxy. So it's not like I'm going to stick it in my shoulder, you know, in that doll's shoulder, and all of a sudden somebody's going to you know, ah. have shoulder pain. It doesn't <laughs> actually work like that. It's just making that doll a proxy for oh. whatever is supposed to happen. It means... It could be a good proxy or a bad proxy, depending on what you do with the doll from there.
0: Right. But, so you could actually attach some good luck, good wishes yes. to a doll and send that to somebody. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
1: I have a little juju, which is like a little tiny one on a stand. And it's, it's basically kind of the, uh, the gatekeeper of luck kind of thing um and so like when my book launched when Crescent City Moon launched i had a little picture of the cover and i pinned it to the little juju and put it on the altar with um, money and so the whole idea was you know is the book needs, this is you know for the book to be successful and so you know little things like that so the things that you do with it really have to do with whatever your purpose is for that and so if if you want to do harm to someone then you do harm to the doll after you make them the proxy but I don't I don't suggest that I mean most magical traditions will tell you whatever you send out there is going to come back (laughs) and so I, I always operate under that it's like I learned from you know from the the Teachers that I had, you know, they were very cautious about that and said, you yeah. know, don't, don't put anything out there. Don't mess with stuff you don't know. And don't put anything out there that you can't handle coming back to you. Right. So, very, very wise. Um, I take their advice. <laughs> I take their advice on that <laughs> for Sure. So I'm always like, okay, look, the bad guy has to do this. Is there a safer way for me to figure this out so I can write about it? And I don't want this coming back. Yeah,
0: because even have been writing about things, right? It, it's okay. Yeah. But I am going to admit that I have put somebody that I had a thing about in a book and did things to them that they really were not going to like. <laughs> I, I did do that. I have done that. Have you? Have you? Have you ventured into those territories? Or I haven't
1: really. And and honestly, what what I think I pour into these books is sort of like the different sides of my personality. So you know, it's like my own dark side. Like I love writing Celine. She's wicked. I mean, there is nothing good about that woman. No,
0: and people. she is. Not- uh, no
1: redeeming qualities none whatsoever unless you like body drinking songs she does do a few of those <laughs> <She does>. um <laughs> there's a there's a couple of those in there um she thinks she's funny but she's taking you know finding things that are funny in you know very very dark and wicked things but it's that side of you that you always you know the, those things that bother you there's people that you just can't stand all of that stuff that you bottle up that you you know you or too Southern to say hateful things. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's what happens to me. Uh, you know, that Nashville night's coming back again. I'm too Southern to actually say that thing that I really wanted to tell that person. So I just flood all of that into Celine.
0: Right. And so that's
1: where she comes from. Xaeli's uh, got the magic and the just the, the sensibility and the, and the the strength that I always kind of wish that I had in the moment, um, and she's got, you know, great friends and great counsel that I kind of feel like you know, I would enjoy hanging out with these people. And so it's it's all of these little pieces of, of, of either me or things that I am drawn to that I put into these characters. And I think that's why they're so um, easy for me to write and so easy for me to kind of hear their voices and have them do these things because I really do feel like they are a part of me. And I always say that I feel like this story did not come to me, it comes through me. Right. Um, often when I'm sitting there writing, I'm, I'm watching all of this play out in my head and I'm just typing it as fast as I can to get everything that they're doing down on paper. I, I feel more like a conduit than anything else. Um, I don't feel like I've created them. I feel like they came to visit and they told me their story. Um, and I love that about this particular story and this particular group of people. and. The publisher did too, because I actually wrote this as a standalone. It, it was not a series. It was not a series. And they said, you know, we love these people. I said, I do too. And they said, but we want to spend more time with them. And I said, okay, what is <laughs> uh So um I actually have my contract allows me to write as many of these as I feel is, you know, the right amount for this particular story. So there, there will at least be a third. Um, And There may be more than that. I've already got the the plot outline for the third. I know where it's going and some fun things that are going to be in it. Um, So yeah, I mean, Crescent City Sin um, leads you kind of ends right in a good spot to take you into the third one.
0: Right, which you are, which you are working on now. So question, do you after had a night nice long reading session where Selene comes to visit and hang out with you for a while. Do you need to cleanse your space or so you burn in a little sage or oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I do feel like sometimes I kind of need to shake that off. Yeah. Um it's it's
1: very easy to settle into that mindset and to kind of just to to just kind of sink into that darkness for a while. Um, and I'm not Traditionally, you know, a really dark person. I, I love to laugh. I'm a very, you know, kind of happy bohemian over here. Um, my house is very brightly colored. <laughs> like there's, there's, I'm a colorful, happy person. But it does become very easy to kind of settle in to Selene. And I think that's one of the interesting things about that darkness and madness and, and those things that we're all on the cusp of. And we were talking more about Edgar Allan Poe, and that's what he plays with because we're all so close to it. And it, it can only take one thing really to push us over the edge and to get us, you know, from normal insane to dark and and insane and madness mm-hmm. um so Love. yeah if I don't have that time to kind of I don't just go okay we're, <laughs> we're we we got to get out of Celine's head for a while you know if I don't do that then yeah I mean I can start to get pretty gloomy my kids are always great about going mom I, I don't know what this is but it's gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> you have to smile you gotta do something i'm, like, I'm sorry I've, I've been writing celine today
0: <laughs> um first off i i need to say that um one one of your people is here Jan, um, janet hey. who who said yay the yay was in response to you writing book three and then i have to say that it's always the nice ones it's like i met yes. you before i read your book and and i was really kind of shocked and it happened to um <laughs> Katie, Katie Moretti. I don't know if you've read any Katie Moretti stillers, but I met Katie also at a conference and she was just so sweet. It's like, oh my God, so I picked up her book and I'm reading it, I'm reading it (laughs) in the airport. And I took a picture with my suitcase and I posted it on Instagram or whatever. I said, she seems so nice. Oh ah,
1: it is it's so funny I think we just you know as, as traditionally nice people and, and we spend so much time trying to make other people happy and putting on this smiley face but we do all have that dark side we do and I think that that it, it becomes our channel to just get yeah. that stuff into a safe place so it does not become you know kind of our our
0: forefront we need to keep it buried but sometimes it's like a pressure to cooker. it's got it somewhere I, I'm like that too actually honestly I, I'm i a nice person I'm a mental health counselor I have a nursing license I've spent most of my life taking care of people and then I started writing like my shadow valley books and um, actually even my my first three books my my fantasy trilogy then nothing gets <laughs> a little uh um anyway my my vikings was sitting reading one of my books one day and he just looks up at me and he goes you're scaring me right now. Because, <laughs> you know, you do not get to see that what's going on in there. So um anyway, yes. fascinating stuff. So uh let me just refresh you all on this all again. Nola Nash is my guest here today, and the books are Crescent City Moon, which is out and available. Crescent City Sin, which is available for pre-order. Um, and perfect for Halloween. And you guys, you totally need to find NOLA. So um, you want to watch the, the NOLA's second line show because you're, you're not going to find anything like that. <laughs> I don't think on the internet. Um, you can find Nola also on her website at nolanash.com. And if you're listening to this and can't see what we've got up here, it's Nola, N O L A, N A S H.com. Um, Facebook, uh, you can search up Nola's Second Line. And um, you can find the show on YouTube, uh, Nola Nash Entertainment. And seriously, go pre-order Crescent City Sin right now, especially if you like scary books. And if you don't, get it for somebody else because it's <laughs> Halloween. Um, while you're at it, you can check out my Shadow Valley series on Amazon, the um, first book, and that is Dead Before Dying. You can read them as standalones, but again, uh, you're probably going to want to start at the beginning and find your way through. So uh, thank you so much again for being here, Nola. This was like super fun. You are... Yeah. Um, I I just knew because I got to be on your show once that I would (laughs) thank you so
1: much for that. It was so much fun having you on my show as well. You're welcome back anytime.
0: Oh good. I will I will probably take you up on that because I hope you do. It was a kick. So all of you out there, um, go read a good book, preferably Nola's or you know, maybe mine. And uh Stay safe, take care of yourselves, and check in again with me here next week on Tell Me Your Secrets, where I will have another fascinating guest to hang out with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.